It's a very gray, rainy day today here. And I feel like I went to like straight into winter from summer because I think over the weekend we were in like tank tops and shorts. Okay. My dog has learned how to open the door. Who did that? I don't want the dog in here. Out. Seriously? I'm live right now. I don't want her in here. She was such a pest the last time. You are worse than the kids. Oh my goodness. I literally just went in there. Went into my husband's, well, uh, we call it his room. It's not really his room. Um, it's the, uh, the guest room, but it has his... His bathroom and his closet are in there, so we call it his room. And um, by the way, that's a that's a life hack that if you if you are blessed enough, and I'm not saying I am, I'm just this is a coincidence. I'm not. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I do not like it when people use that term blessed. Um, but if you are blessed enough to live in a house with more than one bathroom, I highly suggest that you donate one of those bathrooms to your husband because this has been the best thing that we have ever done for our marriage. Seriously. Um, when we moved into this house, we had the choice of, well, there's one room that is the master bedroom. The front bedroom in the house has the ensuite bathroom. Um, and so that's the master. Well, we lived in the master for two years and um, then decided, now it's been two years ago, uh, to actually move into the back bedroom on the house because... It's smaller, but it's cozier. It has um, a much prettier view into the backyard, which, like, we love the backyard. So I was saying, I'm really jealous of this room. This room back here has such a pretty view. And it's also a little bit quieter. You don't get the road noise. You can still hear the train, like, full full train whistle experience. But um, you don't get quite as much of the track noise and the road noise and stuff like that. So anyway, we moved into the back bedroom. But when we did, the back bedroom only has one closet. And so I told Chris, like, why don't you just keep your stuff in your closet that it's in now? And then like, that can just be your bathroom. Since this bat, this bedroom back here doesn't have a bathroom anyway, you're gonna have to leave the bedroom to go take a shower in the morning. Why don't you just keep that bathroom? Oh, man, y'all, it's been amazing. Like he can get up and go start his day and not even like, not even disturb me. There are times when he's gotten up and at, you know, really early, like if he's leaving on a business trip or something, he'll get up really early and I won't even wake up. It's awesome. Um, also the master bedroom is like 1977 fabulous with the, um, like hotel bathroom setup where you can see the sink and the mirror and all that from the whole room. So I don't love that. And then also it has this really terrible nineties striped, uh, striped on the top floral on the bottom and then floral border around the top wallpaper. And, you know, we've lived here four years and that room still basically looks the same. <laughs> so it's on the bottom of all the priority lists. Anyway, I don't even know how I started talking about, oh yes, I went in and told, I told him I'm going to go record this podcast and this is, you know, this is my mistake for trying to do it <laughs> during the daytime hours when people are awake. But I said, all I need you to do is keep them out of the laundry room. And he's like, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can. I believe in you. But he was the one who came in here trying to let the dog back in. So anyway, okay. I am very excited. This is episode 14 and I have two 
super important things to say at this beginning four minute mark of the show. The first one is that my producer population has grown again. And I have another producer that I would like to thank. Also, I want to double back before I thank my new producer. I want to double back and say, I was making a tongue in cheek joke <laughs> the last time I gave my producer a shout out and I did it fairly late into the, um, into the episode. So just in case anybody missed it, I know it's sometimes you have to cut it off a little early. Um, so my last donation was from McDonald product development, LLC. And I, I mentioned that I know the CEO of the company and that's because the CEO is my brother, Dustin. So I wanted to say, first of all, again, how much I appreciate his donation to the show and just that I'm really proud of him. He has done something that very few people are able to accomplish. Um, he actually has secured a patent for an invention of his. And as a kid, he was always inventing stuff and has like the best he, the the way that he can think of things like he's told me about a bunch of his ideas that he has still in the works for more inventions and I'm just amazed because my brain does not work like that at all I can I can very rarely look at a problem or a need and come up with a solution and the stuff that he comes up with is incredible and so he did actually take one of those inventions already he's made it all the way to the patent status and is in talks with getting it manufactured so I'm super proud of him and I hope that someday soon I can tell you exactly what that thing is. I dare not say anything about it now because I don't know what the rules are, but it's very cool and never something that um, I would have thought of. And clearly no one else had thought of it because he is the patent holder. He is the only one who has come up with a solution for this particular problem. So it's very cool. So I wanted to make sure that my little tongue in cheek joke um, didn't get lost in the mix. So thank you again, Dustin. And today I want to say thank you to another person, which is we're keeping it all in the family today. And I want to say thank you to my sister-in-law, Rebecca, because she came in with my third donation to the show. And I was shocked. It was, it, I hadn't checked my email in two days. So I had to send her a quick text before I started recording. Like, oh, thank you so much. I just saw this. Like she's probably wondering like, Hey, wow, no, thanks. You know, so I wanted to be sure and let her know that I saw it. But uh, Rebecca said she sent me $50 and she said, we love listening to our fave podcast and thank you so much for the weekend. So I referred to in episode 13 that we had a special guest for the weekend who was sleeping and that was my nephew Crosby. And he is so fun and so different. Like if people tell you, that, you know, it's not that big of a difference between boys and girls. Like, they just maybe haven't experienced the difference. And me being an only girl mom, I am, first of all, I'm ceaselessly entertained by little boys because they're just so different. Like, the things that little boys think to do um, and try and say and whatever, it's so different. So different from girls. And so we were so, we were so entertained all weekend. We had him for basically like Friday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. And he kept us very busy. He is super, super energetic, all boy, and just cracking up. So, like, one of the best parts was, um, well, he's a great eater. He's, like, the, he's the dream toddler or preschooler. Are they a toddler or a preschooler when they're three? He's a dream because he eats whatever you give him and he sleeps. 
So like you literally cannot ask for more with a kid that is three. And so we were sitting at the dinner table on Saturday night and I made something kind of like, um, it's like vegetable beef soup. It's kind of like, um, minestrone sort of. Um, and so, but instead of bulking it up with pasta, I usually bulk it up with rice. So it's kind of more like a goulash type of thing. So I served him his bowl and he just went for it, man. And he's so good with a spoon and a fork, like flawless. And so he's going for it and he's going for it. And he's stopping after everybody and going, mmm, nummy. And I'm like, yay, you like it. Yay, eat some more, buddy. And so he's shoveling it in. And then he finished his bowl and we all went, yay, good job. And he put his fist up like fist bump. <laughs> so he fist bumped all of us one after another. So cute. We went, we went like three rounds with fist bumps and then we were like, okay, you want some more? And he's like, yeah, nummy. So cute. Oh my gosh. So we had the best weekend with him. So, I mean, truly Rebecca, it was our pleasure to have him. I am glad you guys got some listening to the podcast done on your trip. You had a l- couple hours in the car. So very, very happy to know that, um, that you guys enjoy it. And I love the idea that like, I really think, I really think that he, I mean, because he hears my voice, I hope this is true. Like that he's super comfortable with me, even though we don't get to see you guys as often as we want to, you know, I think it's cool that if he's hearing my voice, that's probably why he was a little just very, he was so comfortable. He really was. He didn't give us any trouble. So please bring him back. I'm looking forward to the next time already. So anyway, um, if you want to join the ranks of Christy and Dustin and Rebecca and send a donation to the podcast, it's easy to do. You can just go to the website, oddlyadulting.com, and there's a button at the top that says donate. It takes you straight to PayPal. And um, usually I check my email every day, but I just happened to accidentally let that one go by um, and hadn't checked for a couple of days. So just know that when you donate, I will thank you on air. If you want to be kept anonymous, be sure and put that in the note. All right. So I'm going to get into, um, the, uh, what's the word, the content. Okay. So what I want to talk about tonight, I have two, I'm going to tell a story and then it's going to lead into the like topic, which is, which is where the, um, the title of the podcast comes from. Okay. So I'm not going to, you've already seen the title because you had to see the title in order to click on and play, but I'm not going to say it just yet because I want to tell the story first. So about, uh, two, three episodes ago, maybe more, actually it might've been more. It might've been, it was the episode where I talked about, um, when we lived in England. So, um, whichever number that was, Um, there's just so many, how can I remember them all? Just kidding. Um, I gave a very quick little, like very side note blurb. I was talking about the train and I said that while I had, I was waiting to start recording the podcast because there was a train going by when I got everything set up. And so I went and I watched a video of, um, uh, the Kane Brown is the singer and he was performing on the Ellen show. And I mentioned it because, my um, former student, when I was a seventh grade teacher, it was my first year teaching, my former student, Michael, was in my class that year, and he was in my favorite class. I had one class at the end of the day that was a really small group of kids. It was only like 15 kids, and so um, we just had a lot of fun together. I really enjoyed them. It's easier to do that when you have a smaller group. So anyway, Michael was in my class, and he um, grew up to be the drummer for Kane Brown, and so that was like my little 
I just feel so proud, like my little claim to fame. And so he's been doing that for the last several years. And so um, anytime I would see, I was um, following him on Facebook. And so he would usually post like when they had um, <coughs> TV appearances and things like that. So I mentioned I had watched that. So I want to tell a story about Michael. Um, because this is the most, of all of my years of teaching, um, this is one of the most memorable things that happened when I was a teacher. So it was my first year teaching. I mentioned it was my first year teaching. And um, I was a seventh grade teacher, language arts. And I had this class. And they were. it was at the end of the day. This, this is when that class um, came to me. And it was a small class, like I said, like 15 kids. But it was at the end of the day. So, you know, the end of the day can be kind of like can be kind of iffy. I had one year where my end of the day class were absolutely just off the chain, terrible and made me want to cry almost every day. In fact, they were so bad. Everybody's last, last, um, class of the day was so bad that we had a retired teacher who came back out of retirement to teach because he just missed teaching. And he like retired again because of that class. So anyway, it can be kind of like, here and there. But this little class really was great. They had a great little class dynamic. And so we usually were able to keep it together, get our work done, you know, have some fun, enjoy each other. But like, not every day was perfect. And not everybody was perfect. And so there was um, a kid named Kyle. And Kyle was like the class clown. But his buddy Michael was also a little bit of a class clown. And then they had another friend named Alex. And so the three of them were kind of like the three amigos, I guess, for this class. So they were kind of, if anybody was going to goof off, it was going to be them. So um, Kyle's mom had come to me at some point, like maybe a, maybe a parent-teacher meeting or like open house or something. And she had told me, if Kyle gives you any trouble, you just call me and your daddy and his daddy, not your daddy, call me and his daddy we'll take care of it. You just tell me, you know, what he did and we'll get it under control. I said, okay, thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure he's a good, he's a good boy, you know? And so Kyle would say, oh, miss, I'm a, I'm a good, good child. I'm a good, good child. And so it was like his joke, you know, but he wasn't always a good, good child. <laughs> so one day in particular, he was having kind of a bad day and I'd had to get on to him several times. And I said, Kyle, your mama told me that if you started acting up, that I was supposed to call her and that she's going to tell your daddy and he's going to take care of it. And he's like, oh, miss, I'm a good, good child. I'm a good, good child. I'm a don't don't I you you don't have to do that. And I said, well, I better not have to. You know, you better straighten up. Well, he just kept on. I don't even remember what he was doing, just being a nut. And so finally I was like, Kyle, do you not think I'm serious? And he's like, oh, miss, come on. I'm a good, good child. And I said, Kyle. If I have to speak to you again, I'm picking up this phone right here in my classroom and I'm calling your mom. And he's like, oh, come on, miss, you know. So, well, I had to speak to him again. So I left, put my marker down at the board, walked over to my desk and I took the phone off the receiver and I said, Kyle, what's your phone number? And he just like you know, freezes. He's in shock. And I'm like, Kyle, I can get on the computer and look it up. But if I have to do that, I'm going to be even more annoyed by the time 
I get your mom on the phone. So just tell me, what's your phone number? And he's just like, no, miss, please don't call. Please don't call. And I'm like, Kyle, what is your phone number? So Kyle's sitting there with his mouth hanging open. And <laughs> all of a sudden I hear next to him, his buddy Michael goes, 706, you know, whatever, whatever the phone number is. And so immediately, you know, Kyle's like, smacking him like dude I can't believe you did that and so I dial it up ring ring his mom answers on like the second ring hi is this Kyle's mom yes it is hi this uh I'm I'm calling I'm down here at the middle school I've got Kyle in class today and um he's just having a real hard time behaving himself and I told him that if I had to speak to him again you know that I was going to take you up on your offer when you told me um to call you if I had any trouble. So that's what I'm doing. And she's like, okay, well, you know what? His daddy is sitting right here. I'm going to hand the phone to him and let you, uh, let you tell him what you just told me. I said, okay, that's fine. And so then I like cover up the receiver and I say, Kyle, she's putting your dad on the phone. <laughs> and he's just like, no, oh no, oh miss, oh no. And he's like, he's dying. He's wiggling around in his seat. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. So his dad picks up the phone and I said, hey, sir, sorry to have to call you. This is Kyle's teacher. I'm having a hard time with Kyle in class here today. And, um, you know, your wife had told me to give you guys a call if I ever had any trouble with him. So I just wanted to give you a call and let you know that's what we're dealing with today. And he said, put Kyle on the phone. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, snap. And so I cover up the receiver. I say, Kyle, your dad would like to talk to you. No, miss. No, don't make me talk to him on the phone. No, miss. Please, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll I'm a good, good child. I'll never mess up again. Please, please, please. And I said, Kyle, you better come answer this phone. <laughs> so he pulls himself out of his chair and drags his feet over to the phone. And so I hand him the, the receiver and he's standing there and he's like trying to turn, you know, where he's like turned away from the class. And he's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then there's this long pause. And then he goes, don't make me say it. <laughs> so the whole class is like rapt attention, you know, and I'm trying not to laugh because it's really I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> and so then Kyle says as quietly as he can, but still enough to be heard. He goes, I'm going to get a whooping. <laughs> So the whole class is like, oh, dog, you're getting a whooping. Whoa, your daddy's going to beat you. Da, da, da. And so he says, you know, then he hands the receiver back to me and like slinks back to his desk. And so I get back on the phone and his dad says, well, ma'am, I don't believe you'll have any trouble out of him uh, from here on out. And I said, well, I sure hope not. You know, thank you for your cooperation. Y'all have a nice day. You know, talk to you later. Okay, bye. Hang up the phone. Oh, my gosh. His buddy, <laughs> he was giving Michael the death stare. <laughs> it's like, look at him. I can't believe you did that, man. You ratted me out, man. I said, listen, he saved you. If I'd had to get in that computer and look up your phone number, I'd have gone way harder on you when I got your parents on the phone. So from that point on, literally, that boy went home from school. He got his whooping and he was the model student for the rest of the year. And in turn, like everybody in the class, you know, took me seriously too, but he and Michael kept me absolutely in stitches all year. And 
that is one of the memories that I have that just like when I think about my time as a teacher, there are just there are very few instances in the classroom where something that memorable stood out that just like it just always comes to mind. Anytime I think about my years teaching, I think about the small handful of instances and this one where Michael where Michael ratted out Kyle's phone number. <laughs> so, so funny to me. And those two boys, like I said, they were so good for the rest of the year. They never gave me any real trouble. And um, I only taught there. I taught there one year when they were in seventh grade. And then I was gone for two years. And then I came back and took a job at that same school again. But that time I was teaching sixth grade. And would you believe, like, the first week I was back at school teaching there, out of the blue, they showed up. Those two showed up at lunchtime to see me. They had found out, they heard it through the grapevine that I was back at the school and I'm pretty sure they cut class. I'm not sure. I don't know how they would have gotten there. I guess they were in like, let's see, I had them seventh grade, so they went eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. Yeah, so they might have been driving. Like they might have cut class <laughs> to come to come say hi. But that was the last time I have seen either of them was that day that they came and said hi at lunchtime at the middle school. So I have very fond memories of being a teacher and being their teacher in particular. And um, I told you that story because I got some really sad news on Sunday, which was that Michael was actually killed in a car accident on Saturday night. And I have just been, I have been so affected by this news because it just doesn't seem right. You know, it doesn't seem fair that I've outlived any of my students and Um, it's even more incredible to think that, um, he's not the only student from that class that I have, um, learned about their death. Um, five years ago, um, a girl named Amanda in that class, who was in that class, and she was everybody in that, everybody in that class, um, accused her of being a teacher's pet and teacher's favorite and all that. And like, it's okay for me to say it now. Like she really was my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) she was sweet as can be. She was very helpful. She was not a snooty teacher's pet at all. She was just very sweet. She was always so quick to just like offer to help or encourage me or encourage someone else. And she just was a really, really neat, special girl. And she tragically died of pancreatic cancer when she was 22. And so that was five years ago. And I, um, five years ago when she died, I posted a picture on Facebook of that class. I took a picture of all my classes cause I was going to make a scrapbook cause I was going to teach for like, you know, I was going to teach for 30 years. Remember? Cause I was going to be Michelle Pfeiffer and I was going to teach for 30 years. And so I thought, okay, I got to keep a scrapbook, you know? So I made sure I took a picture of all my classes of me with all my classes and I, um, I scanned it or I took a picture of a picture or whatever. Anyway, I posted the picture on Facebook just saying, you know, how sad I was to hear that Amanda had died. And so, um, then the, a couple of the students that I, um, I'm friends with on Facebook told me that actually Alex had passed the year before. And so that was terrible to learn as well, especially learning it, you know, so far after the fact, I, um, I had a bookmark that Alex made that I had kept all these years because they had the library used to let kids doodle, on old scraps of paper. And so the kids could draw and they'd make bookmarks and then the librarians would, um, 
laminate them and cut them up and leave them in baskets. So you could get a bookmark on your way out of the library. And so I used to, you know, sift through there. And if any of them caught my eye, I'd take them. And so Alex had drawn this adorable picture. He was a little budding artist and, um, he had drawn this picture of a, like a baby, like a, like a toddler ish, baby ish looking kid in like bare feet and overalls who is holding an ice cream cone and the ice cream had fallen on the ground and he's got his head tilted back and just is wailing. So like all you see is his nose and his open mouth and then like the tears, you know, that are like sprouting from the eyes that you can't see. So cute. The baby looked like a little Popeye baby. It had like really pronounced muscles. It was just so cute. So I had kept it all these years. Um, had it, had it sitting in, stuck in a book on my bedside. And so I, um, when I found out that he had died, I looked up his parents' address and I mailed it to him with a little note. I don't actually know if it made it there because I'm not 100% sure that was their address, but I hope that the universe got it where it needed to go. Um, so I was just incredibly sad to find out on Sunday that Michael had died. And um, you wouldn't know him by the name of Michael because I guess as an adult, he started going by Kenny. So he, his name is Kenny Dixon. And um, there's some news reports out now that it was a car accident in Nashville. And so, um, I've just been really affected by it. It's just made me, it's made me think a lot about, um, just all kinds of things, not limited to the fact that, you know, these kids are that, that class of kids, they're 27 this year. And, you know, I shouldn't be outliving them. They should all be, they should all be outliving me. So, Anyway, I don't tell that story because I don't want to be, I don't want to be a downer. I know I've done a lot of like mostly lighthearted sort of more comedic, um, type topics, but I, the thing that I want to bring it around to, which is what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about since hearing that news on Sunday is, um, something called Natsukashi. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, do I have any fluent Japanese producers out there? Does anybody speak Japanese? I certainly don't. But somebody uh, introduced me to this word. One of my online friends. Sometimes I call them my online baby mamas. Um, because we all met when we were expecting babies. That's how we became. Um, like that's how we got linked up was on an online discussion forum. And so one of the baby mamas introduced us to this word called Natsukashi. And so it is spelled, well, you can see it on the, on the title of the episode, but it's Natsukashi. And so I looked it up. Okay. Cause I wanted to give a good definition. So it says, all right, I'm reading from a website called haiku girl.me. So apparently some girl does word of the week and publishes it online, or at least did at some point in time. And so that's where I'm reading this definition from. Natsukashi is probably my favorite Japanese word, and yet it's hard to translate, quite hard to translate. The dictionary definition says dear, desired, and missed, but it is so much more than that. Natsukashi is the word you say when you hear a song you haven't heard for years that you used to dance around your bedroom to as a child. Natsukashi is the word you say when you taste your favorite ice cream that you haven't had in years and you remember all the times you ate it while walking along the beach. 
Natsukashi is the word you say when you see that toy from your childhood and you remember how much you loved it. And would you believe it is a picture of a glow worm? And I actually had a glow worm. And when I saw that glow worm picture under this definition, I most definitely felt Natsukashi. Natsukashi doesn't have to relate to your childhood, though. It can relate to anything that takes you back to a past moment. Returning to Japan recently was very Natsukashi for me, especially when I got to Nagoya, my home of two years. I felt very Natsukashi when I saw the building where I had my teacher training. It reminded me of the new adventure I was beginning at that time, the friends I made, and the happy times we shared. A word that often goes hand in hand with Natsukashi is hisashiburi, which means it's been a while. This can be said to someone when you see them after a long time, but can also relate to places and food. Natsukashi is a word with a lot of sentiment attached to it, which is why it is most often associated with childhood or long-ago memories that evoke a certain feeling or a particular sensation. I don't believe there's a word in English which has quite the same meaning, and I think the closest English gets is when we say, oh, I remember this. It's a feeling of nostalgia, but in English, I think we rarely see something and say, how nostalgic, or I feel so nostalgic. One of the great things about studying a language is when you realize you actually understand the nuances of the language as well as the words and grammar. I now can't imagine not knowing the word Natsukashi, and it's even become part of my everyday language. When I feel nostalgic about something, I instantly think or say Natsukashi now. So what makes you feel Natsukashi? So, I definitely feel Natsukashi when I think about 15 years ago. I think that's how long it's been. Let me do some math. 1,000, 2005. Yeah, so we're coming up on two, yeah, 15 years ago. It was 15 years ago that I stepped into that classroom, and I can still remember what it smelled like because it smelled kind of moldy. Because the, you know, the school building um, had been shut down all summer. And so, like, the temperature changes, you know, hot to cold, hot to cold. The books were old. You know, the air conditioner hadn't been ran in a while. But I stepped into that classroom, and I can just remember thinking, like, this is mine. Like, this is my domain. You know, I get to decide what happens in here. Um, you know, I get to decide what kind of teacher I want to be or like what kind of class I want to have, what kind of things I want to do or like how I want kids to feel when they come in here, you know? And I just like, I loved every day walking into the school building. I didn't love walking out every day. So I'll say that much. Like, obviously I had bad days. I'm not trying to remember like, um, I'm not trying to act like, oh, it's just wonderful. It's so dreamy. You know, being a public school teacher is just living the dream. So there were definitely days where I would leave and be like, oh, I don't want to come back to this place. But overwhelmingly, walking into that school building every morning and just like the smell of the school hitting you when you come in the door. I just loved, I loved school. I loved school growing up. I loved school as a teacher. I really, really did. And so I get, I get that instant feeling of Natsukashi if I go back in my mind and I think about that classroom. I can remember what it looked like. I can remember what it smelled like. I can remember so many of those kids. I won't claim I can remember all of them, but most of them I can remember. And so a lot, I've had a lot of those memories flooding back to me now as I've been reflecting on the fact that, you know, it's basically... It's like, it feels like a lifetime ago that I was that teacher to those kids and they've all grown up and they're all living lives. And, you know, unfortunately, some of them have been lost really young. And so, um, 
thinking about Natsukashi and trying to turn it into a positive, you know, it's definitely a positive experience. So I started making a list of Natsukashi moments that I have experienced. And so, um, here's just a few of them. And also I'm going to, I am going to bring some comedy. So I'm going to give you my like heartfelt list of Natsukashi moments. And then I'm going to finish up with a little bit of comedy, you know, to end it on a light note. But here's a few of my Natsukashi moments. Um, when you hold something old that you haven't seen in a long time. So this happens pretty much every time I have a trunk in our guest room where I have kind of filed away like the baby stuff that was special to my kids. Um, it's a cedar trunk. So I've put some stuff in there. And so occasionally I'll go in there. Like if someone brings over a baby, um, and I've got like burp cloths and things like that or not burp cloths. What are those things called? Um, not burp cloth, um, blankets, like swaddling blankets. I have a couple of those in there. So if someone comes over with a baby and like they need an extra blanket, you know, I can go grab one out of there. But when I do, some of them are so, you know, some of them are 10 years old because they were, or 12 years old because they were, I got them new when my oldest baby was born. So like when I pull those out, I, all of a sudden I feel like, oh, I feel transported back in time to when there was like, my baby was tiny and I was using that blanket. So that's one of them. Um, another one to go with the, I'll stick with the kid theme for a minute and then I'll move away from that. Um, when your kids grow out of a toy or a type of toy, so something that they have totally loved and then all of a sudden they like lose interest in it. And so maybe you still have it out. So right now we have this battle going on. It's a mental battle for me. They've basically moved on from baby dolls. And now they've moved on to like American Girl dolls. So they all still play with dolls. They still have their, you know, their favorite doll and they're um, dressing them and doing their hair. And, you know, my youngest still like tucks hers into bed every night and stuff like that. But it's not baby dolls. It's like bigger girl dolls. So we have this gigantic bin that we call the baby bin that's full of the baby dolls and everything. But like nobody really plays with it anymore. So in my mind, like the practical side of me is like we should really put that up or we should really go through and like just get a lot of these babies look completely like homeless, you know, like ratty, you know, gutter babies. But it's like, I, I'm not ready. <laughs> They're ready. I'm not. So that's a Natsukashi moment. Um, another one would be like when uh, my youngest, when she got her first loose tooth and then when she lost her first tooth. It was like, oh my goodness, you know, like I'm entering the big kid years now. Like my kid is losing teeth. She's going to be losing teeth until she's like 12. Like we're officially in big kid years now. Like losing teeth is the, you're, that's the transition, you know, away from babyhood. Like my, your baby teeth are falling out. So that's a moment. Um, those are some kid related moments. Here's another one. This is kind of a weird one, but I, um, mentioned in my last episode that, you know, I've been a stay at home mom now for like 10 years. And there've definitely been times during those 10 years where like I've experienced some burnout and I've needed a break. And so one time, this was a couple years ago, but it was, a, it was in the last four years. Cause it was when we were living in our current house. Um, I had just like had enough. I was so done. I was so done with everybody. I was so done with everything. I just was like, I'm out of here, man. And I literally like walked out the door, got in the car, drove away. Didn't tell anyone I was leaving. And I can't even tell you what I did. I think I just drove around town for two hours. Um, I remember that one of that 
I had a new Luke Bryan CD that had just recently come out. Yes, I still buy CDs. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I just drove around listening to the CD. Like, and then when all the tracks had ran, I was like, well, okay, I guess I better go home now. Whole time I was gone, I had my cell phone with me. No one called, no one texted, nothing. I thought, well, maybe they're just giving me my space. I got back, came in the house, and I'd been home like 10 or 15 minutes. And one of the kids comes downstairs and is like, Mommy, can you make me a snack? And I was like, you didn't have a snack at all? Like in the last hour and a half, you haven't had a snack? And they're like, no, I've just been upstairs watching TV. And I was like, did you even know I was gone? And she was like, no. (laughs) So I found out that like I ran away from home and literally no one noticed. And that was such a Natsukashi moment for me because all of a sudden I realized like, they don't need me to supervise their every move anymore. Like we're moving into the phase of like, I can leave them here. Now my husband was home. So I didn't, I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning, all of them were home together. So I'm sure that if they had needed something, they could have really found him, but he didn't know I was gone either. (laughs) That really like for me, that demarcated a very distinct time in my parenting journey where like before they would have noticed and now they might not. So Natsukashi moment for sure there. And, um, as far as smells go, I have one of our cars. We have, um, my grandpa's Lexus. Don't get jealous. It's a 1990. (laughs) He was the original owner though. So it only just rolled over 200,000 miles, but, um, we have his looks, his Lexus, and um, we uh, we bought it uh, when his health failed and he could no longer drive, and so we uh, it was it's in mint condition. I mean, as it usually is with like people who grew up from you know Depression era folks take such good care of their things, and he was especially like Type A anal about stuff, and so it is literally in mint condition. People will get into it and be like. This is the cleanest car I've ever been in. And it gives me a little bit of a panic attack. Like when I find out that Chris has been eating in it, because he drives it sometimes when he goes to the office, because it's way more fuel efficient than his truck or my Suburban. And so um, it's a little four-door sedan. And so he'll drive it and stuff. And I'll be like, there's candy wrapper on the floor. Oh, you know, the ghost of my grandfather is going to come haunt this car. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. We have my grandpa's Lexus. It's now my Lexus. But when I get in the car still, it's still to me smells like my childhood visits to their house because he got it in 1990. So I was eight. I've been riding in this car literally my whole life and the smell in it just completely evokes childhood for me. So that's an, a very obvious one. Um, but to, to stay on the smells theme and to end on a little bit of a light note, I saw a Buzzfeed article that was basically about the same thing. Just randomly. I saw this yesterday. And so this was about smell. It's well, let me just get back to the top. I have it here. It says 19 pictures that anyone born before 1999 will literally be able to taste, smell, or hear. Now I was born way before 1999. This really should have said like 1989 because there's only one thing in here that I didn't know what it was. Um, and so it's stuff like the little, um, plastic tub of ice cream with the wooden spoon that you would get at school. It says you can definitely taste this wooden spoon stick in your mouth. (laughs) Then the next one is a picture of Play-Doh opened and the scent of this photo is strong. Like, are you smelling the Play-Doh? 
It said, and you can, another one, you can perfectly taste this cosmic brownie right now. Am I right? Those cosmic brownies are amazing. Here's one. This picture is playing sounds in your head right now. And it is the, it's got a blue background with a yellow stripe going diagonally and a red stripe going horizontally. And it says coming soon to theaters. You can hear that, can't you? You know exactly what I'm talking about. The intro to a movie. And there's a VCR. It says the noise of this VHS getting loaded is crystal clear. True. Flintstones. Uh, Flintstones. What are these? Vitamins. Those things tasted so bad. Um, number 11. You can hear this pick. And it's the Six Flags bus with the bald Six Flags guy in front of it. And you know exactly what it's going to do, right? That was terrible. Um, and it just goes on. The sound of the ball, the Velcro ball being taken off the paddle. The Mr. Sketch scented markers. The Vapor Rub, Vicks Vapor Rub. Um, the sound of the three ring binder clicking. And then it ended with um, the bubblegum flavored amoxicillin. <laughs> so gross, right? But seriously, all those things, the senses and the memories, they all commingle together. And... For uh, Natsukashi, I think is, from what I understand it, it's a, it's mostly a positive thing. So when you have, when you experience that Natsukashi moment, it's like a, it's the pleasant memories that you're recalling back. So I would love to hear what some of your Natsukashi moments are. So you know how to do that. You can find me on Instagram or you can find me at the email address or you can find me at the website. Um, and you know, tell me what some of yours are because there's, there would be so different for everybody. We've all grown up with different kinds of experiences and in different places and all that kind of stuff. So I would love to hear what your Natsukashi moments are. And if you can just send up a little prayer or a positive thought for the family that is mourning the loss of um, their son, their fiance and unfortunately there's a three-year-old little boy who is going to be missing his daddy um I know that they would appreciate that so I said I was going to end it on a positive note and I am because I'm going to end it like I always do and I'm going to say if you made it to the end of this I love you and Jesus says too bye Kevin McLeod, winner, winner.